Alright, alright, alright. We are ready to go with another edition of the CIC cast. This is episode 32 of the CIC cast, and we are excited because it is championship season. We are sending this out and recording on a Thursday. Boys and girls lacrosse brackets both released earlier today, and tomorrow will be everything else. We'll have tennis, we'll have track results, or excuse me, track times, we'll have boys and girls, excuse me, baseball and softball pairings, all kinds of stuff. So whenever you finish listening to this podcast, or even as you enjoy this podcast, you can go to CIAC Tournament Central and see what is on tap. And we've got a great list of guests for you this week as we dive into some of the teams that you may want to follow during the CIAC tournament time. So what we're doing this time, we're doing our regional catch around the state of Connecticut, checking in with folks all around the state to find out a little bit about some of the teams in their region. We start off with, we're going to chat with Owen Poole of the Norwich Bulletin. Then we're going to check in with Tim Gaffney of LitchfieldCountySports.com. Then we will work our way down towards New York and talk with Dave Rudin of the Rudin Report to go over some FCAC schools and how they are faring in the spring season. So a very uh, exciting group of guests with us this week. We are glad to have you along with us for the CIAC cast, and let's uh, dive right in with things you might have missed on CIACsports.com. But of course, before that, as always, we like to send along this message from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. We're uh, thrilled that you are checking out the CIAC cast, and many of you maybe are, are currently listening to the podcast on your mobile device as you get into your car. Or maybe getting ready for your commute, we strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to press play on that sucker and then just put the phone away as you get driving. Our friends at the uh, Connecticut Department of Transportation remind you that sending or receiving a text or playing a podcast and hitting play takes a driver's eyes from the road for an average of 4.6 seconds. Driving at 55 miles per hour, this is the equivalent of traveling the length of an entire football field blind. That's not a good idea. Please do not text and drive or drive distracted and encourage your friends and family to park the phone when they are behind the wheel. So we really encourage uh, everyone out there. Again, we're happy that you are listening. Hope you're listening wherever you're listening, but turn the phone, press play, put the phone away and focus on the road. Thanks very much. And as we were saying, we're going to dive right into things you might have missed on CIC Sports. First of all, and at this time of year, foremost among the things you might have missed, as I mentioned, Tournament Central, the link on the right side of the CIACsports.com homepage, that is the place to find all of the tournament information that you need and want. We've got pairings, we've got schedules, we've got updates, we've got game info sheets, including rosters and results for the competition. Be sure to print those out before you head out to a tournament game. We've got the ability to sign up for updates. That's a great way to follow the action. You can sign up for email or text alerts. Just about everything you could possibly want to follow the CIAC championships can be found at Tournament Central uh, on the CIAC Sports website. So I encourage you to check that out. It is the best place to find everything. That's where the pairings will be posted once we've got them those will all as i mentioned baseball will be going out on friday at track and field divisional start lists will be posted on friday the softball pairings will be posted on friday as will boys and girls tennis and boys volleyball all will be going up on friday boys and girls lacrosse were up on Thursday. So I encourage you to check out all of that good stuff on the tournament centrals page on ciacsports.com. 
Got a couple stories on CICsports.com that we haven't posted uh, or that we haven't uh, talked about since our last podcast. One of them talking about all of the uh, defending champions in track and field that will be trying to hang on to their crowns, as it were, with the championships, divisional championships kicking off uh, at the beginning of next week. So you can check that out. A plethora of defending champions, uh, particularly on the girls track and field side, teams that have impressive runs of championships that they are trying to continue as we get underway in the spring championships jam-packed edition of linked up from last friday that we'd really love for you to check out some incredible stories just remarkable student athletes one of whom we'll be talking about a little bit later here i think on the ciac cast with our guest dave rudin uh just incredible stories that we hope you will check out uh in that latest edition of linked up and then we've got a story about the berlin golf team berlin girls golf team which is trying to continue to make a little history after becoming the first program to win three uh, girls CIC girls golf championships last year three consecutive they're trying to add that um, add to their total when the girls golf championships take place in a little bit over a week so that is things you might have missed again really encourage you to check out that tournament central page we do a lot of work to make that as uh, as good a thing as we can for you uh, come tournament time and we really hope you will check that out. You can also always follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports. That is another great place to get all of the updated information that you might want. So with all of that said, that is things you might have missed. Now let's dive into our impressive guest list, including uh, a one first-time guest, and he's going to start things off for us as we reach out to Owen Poole of the Norwich Bulletin to talk a little sports on the eastern part of the state of Connecticut. We've got another uh, first-time guest on the CIAC cast this week as Owen Poole from the Norwich Bulletin joins us today. No, uh, Owen, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. I uh, wanted to get in touch with you to offer a little perspective on uh, what's been going on in the spring sports in the eastern part of the state. And uh, one of the, the recent stories that sort of caught our attention at the CIAC offices, and we included it in our uh, our weekly Linked Up from last week, was uh, an article you wrote about the Holy Family softball team and the the season they are uh, putting together. So if you wanted to kind of uh, share share the story of that squad uh, and the kind of remarkable success that they're enjoying for a, a school of that size. Yeah, it's 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 really a great story. I wasn't, I guess, fully aware of it until I, I actually covered the game. I mean, I, I'm familiar with it, but I had never been to a Holy Family softball game before. But, you know, I, I think they're going to be number one in Class S. They're 17-2. They're playing for the... Um, CSE championship tonight at Eastern, and um, you know they're the smallest school in the state. It's a you know 42 girls, an all-girls school, little private school up in you know the hills of Baltic in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere. 42 girls, I believe, in the whole school. Um, you know, and they're 17 and two, and I, you know I don't think any people have any misgivings about them actually winning Class S, but they're 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 a pretty good team. You know, they got Shelby Grower, she's a good pitcher. They have a um, uh, a couple good hitters. There's a uh, girl named Sarah Majewski who's a catcher. They have a double play combination. Uh, sisters Amy Roberts and Mary Roberts. Um, I, I wasn't aware either that you know it's not just kids from around from around the eastern part of the state or the state. They have a lot of girls from other parts of the country and hmm. even you know a couple girls from a couple different countries. It's a, it's a really it's a really really good story you know. And their only two losses came. I think one game they were missing three seniors. One game they lost an extra inning. So. They're a pretty, you know, they're a pretty good team. They really are. And um, one of the interesting things is um, their coach is a guy by the name of Tom Scott who coached them in the 90s and I think early 2000s. He left 
he kind of bounced around a little bit. He went to Parish Hill. He was an assistant at Plainfield. Mm-hmm. And um, this is his last year coaching. And the AD over at um, Holy Family, uh, Dan Nagel, brought him back for his last year. Sure. And it's kind of a great year, you know, for him to go out because he's also an assistant coach in soccer and an assistant coach in basketball. And, you know, it's not just, I mean, it's softball season, obviously, now, but they've had really good successes in, in the other sports they offer, too. Yeah, no, and it's, uh, you know, you sort of talk about, we hear all the time about how, you know, the, the sort of uh, demise of the three-sport athlete, but uh, they don't have much choice when you've got uh, 42 kids in the school. These are kids who all play a lot of sports and, uh, and as you say, are yeah. really uh, putting together a, a great softball campaign. So it's a, that's, that's a it, lot of fun to see. Yeah, one of the one of the things about it that you know I, I didn't really realize. I mean, I, I guess I knew that they only offered three sports. They, I didn't know how, quite how small the, the school was, mm-hmm. but it's all girls. It's forty-two girls, and the whole school. You know, the, so they only offer three sports, one per season. About a third of the school goes out for the for the team. You know, right. for each team each season, which you don't see a lot, and it's nobody gets cut. It's essentially the same team. Yeah. Here and the soccer the soccer team made a state tournament in the fall. Um, the girls' basketball team in the winter won a state tournament game for the first time in like 11 or 12 years, and now the softball team is having their their best season ever. You know, the, the the fact that they're essentially the same team, the same group for all three seasons, you know, it's kind of tough to duplicate that at bigger schools, and it's a key to their success is having that that bond together and that familiarity where they're you know they're together all all year long, not just in school, but you know, in, in the sports that they play. Yeah, absolutely. Really kind of a fun uh, fun little story, as you said, sort of in the uh, the quiet part of the state there uh, uh, on the eastern seaboard. So uh, enjoyed that one. Um, elsewhere, you know, you've got the, uh, the EC, excuse me, the ECC tournaments uh, are underway and we're moving towards the, the later rounds here. We're recording this on a Thursday. Um, and wanted to get your perspective on a little bit of uh, some of the teams to watch in baseball and softball. I know in softball, Fitch has been kind of the dominant Eastern program this season. So uh, what can you tell us about that team, and, and maybe how would you assess their chances for uh, success in the uh, either in the ECC tournament and maybe in the CIAC tournament going forward? Yeah, they're, they're the number one seed. They won in the quarterfinals yesterday, so they're playing um, uh, tonight in the semis. I think they're playing Griswold. Um, yeah, they're – they're the only undefeated team, I believe, in Class L. They're twenty and zero. That's actually a pretty good story too. Well, their coach um, is the interim coach, Ariel Cooper. She got named the coach like a little bit um, not long before the season started. Their mm-hmm. their usual coach, Kate Perizzotti, is, um, is on maternity leave. Huh. So Ariel is really, really young. She's twenty two or twenty three. I think she just graduated from Eastern last year, so she's probably about twenty two, twenty three years old. She played at Eastern, and she also played for Fitch. Um, in '09, when they won Class L, she was their um, starting third baseman, one of their best players. The team that beat uh, Massick one nothing when they Massick had Steve uh, Michelle Fico. Right. So that's kind of a cool story. This year they have um, a girl, a junior. Uh, the pitcher's a girl by the name of Caroline Tabor. She's a kid that I actually remember watching playing in Little League um, a few years ago. She's thrown a couple new hit uh, no hitters. Um, they have a girl named Jackie Lewis, who's a really good player. Yeah, they're 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 good. They haven't really you know, played much competition um, within the, the – actually, I shouldn't say much competition. They, they, haven't, they haven't played a lot of close games quite yet. I mean, a few a few here and there, but the, they play in the large division of the ECC, and the medium division is kind of where the uh, where the, the better teams this year are in, in, in the ECC. Right. Although there's actually only one one of those medium division teams left in the tournament. There was a, an upset yesterday, NFA beat 
uh, Waterford. Right. So uh, you, you mentioned that uh, the the kind of middle division and uh, sticking with softball, what are a few of the other teams that have kind of impressed you uh, this season and, uh, and that maybe fans want to keep an eye out as we, we start turning our attention towards uh, CIC tournaments? Yeah, the, the medium division in the ECC has been um, in recent years, you know, kind of the black and blue division. They, Stonington, uh, Waterford won Class L last year and has won uh, a state title a couple of years before that too. Mm-hmm. Briswell, they always kind of beat each other up, and this year was no different. They finished, the three of them finished with a three-way tie. Um, I think they all split with each other, too, so they all, you know, kind of beat each other up. And they're all, the three of those teams are all in Class M um, for the state tournament. So they're all about, you know, 16 and 4, 15 and 5, somewhere around there. Um, Waterford is a defending champ in Class M. Um, Griswold might might actually be the best of that team. Kirsten Drobiak is um, their best player. She's the pitcher, she's one of those kids who, you know, seems like she's been there for, for 10 years. She's, <laughs> you know, she's been, which is a compliment because she's so good. And she, right. you know, she was good when she was a, a freshman. You know, she's been their pitcher for four years. Um, they have, uh, you know, a couple good good hitters. They beat Stonington last last night in the uh, quarterfinals by a run. Um, Stonington has a girl named Teresa Kane. Their pitcher is, uh, she's going to Georgetown. Uh, and Waterford has, they kind of use two, two pitchers, Cassie Walker and, um, Tori Van Cleve, but the the three of them, you know, I, it's kind of splitting hairs. I, I would I, I think I would probably give the edge to Griswold among the, the you know the three of them in the medium division. There are some other good teams. East Lime um, has 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 had a very good year. I think they're in Class L. They're they're a very good hitting team. They have uh, you know they use two pitchers. They have a another double play combination of sisters, um, Kaylee Crosby and Shea Crosby. Mm-hmm. A shortstop and second base. NFA beat Waterford by 10 runs um, last night in the quarterfinals. So wow. They're a team that might – Emily DeVito, their catcher, she might um, – she's probably their best player. She's going to uh, LIU next year. And there's also down in the small division, Wheeler, which is another really small school in the state and plays in the in – the, it might be the smallest school in the ECC. I, I believe they are. Um, but they won, the, they won the small division when undefeated. And it's uh, the, 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 that was the first time the softball team had ever won um, a division, an ECC division. I think it's only the third time they uh, any girls program from Wheeler had won an ECC divisional title. So that's a pretty good team, too. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of depth there in the uh, softball and uh, teams that the fans uh, across the state maybe aren't as familiar with, but uh, may become familiar with in the next, uh, the next few weeks. Moving over to uh, the baseball side of things, it looks like it's been a pretty balanced um, – season in terms of competition in the ECC. What are some of the teams that have stood out to you so far, uh, maybe with an eye towards moving forward into the postseason? Yeah, well, um, the ECC is always one of the best baseball conferences in the state. You know, they, in, the three best teams in the ECC this year all come from the medium division. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Plainfield, which won the division, and uh, Montville's right there in Waterford. And, um, you know, I think Plainfield's probably the biggest surprise of those three. Montville and Waterford both have really good you know, baseball pedigrees. Uh, Waterford, I think, has won nine state titles, and Montville has won three, two in the last last four or five years. So I think Plainfield was kind of the the, the big surprise there. They finished undefeated in the um, in the division. I think. Mm-hmm. They won, they definitely won the division, and I know they beat Montville twice. They just beat them the second time the other day. That they're they're a real you know a lot of teams from up north um, don't get a lot of credit. That's that's a good team. That's a really really good hitting team. Um, Mike Esposito. Uh, Jordan Federer, Steve Jankowski, Gary Griffin. If they can get you know uh, enough pitching, 
they're going to be a tough out in the in the tournament. And like I said, you know, Mont- Montville and Waterford are, are right there too. I actually think Montville might be the the most well-rounded team of sure. the three of them. They have three really really good pitchers: Chad Mooney, uh, Joe Brackett, and Buddy Dwayne. Um, Dwayne is also a really good shortstop when he's not pitching. They have a few other good arms you can use out of the pen. And, uh, you know, Stan Keselowski, Jordan Zepieri, and T.T. Bowens are really, you know, good offensive players as well. And there's not a better coach in the in the state than Phil Orby, for, for my money anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Waterford is, is another team. They've had trouble scoring runs um, this year, but they also they have three really good pitchers, uh, Adam Goss, Connor, Connor Lewis, and Colin Harrington. Goss is one of those kids, you know, he's really nothing to look at. He's not big. He's not overpowering. But – you know, at the end of the year, you look at him and he's some six, seven, or one. He's the same way last year. He just has a knack for for winning and knows knows how to pitch. Very good. So lots of uh, lots of depth there as well. And uh, yeah, so as you said, uh, certainly a, a strong pedigree of success uh, from the ECC uh, baseball teams uh, going into the CIAC tournaments. Um, just sort of final question here to kind of wrap up. And you've definitely uh, you know hit on a, a lot of uh, standouts. Um, on the field for, for baseball and softball. Are there any uh, who are sort of maybe the, the baseball or softball players that, that jump out to you the most as sort of the most memorable that you're going to remember from the, uh, the 2014 season? Um, for, for baseball, we didn't, I didn't talk about St. Bernard at all, but that's a pretty good team in class S. They, Willie Rios um, is, I, I think, you know, hands down the best player around here. He's committed to Maryland. He's a left-handed pitcher. Um, but he's probably going to be a pretty high draft choice from what I've been hearing is, you know, maybe as high as fifth or sixth round. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if, we'll see if, you know, he, he might, he might end up not going to Maryland and, you know, if he gets drafted high enough. Right. But I've also, you know, he's also uh, plays first base for them. And I think he DHs a little, um, uh, last time I saw him was about two weeks ago. It was a night after he pitched nine innings in a game. They ended up losing one, nothing. He hit three home runs in his first three at bats, had a chance to hit a uh, fourth, um, in the game, he ended up grounded out. But he went, you know, three home runs in his first three at bats, and two of them were, were you know, no doubters. Right. Uh, you know, the the kid is 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 kid five, one of the best players I've seen around here in a long time. I was asking <laughs> a couple of the coaches after the game, guys who've been around a long time, and they they couldn't remember anybody in a high school game around around here anyway, in the eastern part of the state, hitting three home runs in a game. Right. And St. Bernard in, in Class S is a pretty good team. They have another. The number two pitcher, Ian Lee, is a is a pretty good pitcher, and they have some nice uh, complementary parts. There's also uh, from Ledger, who could be sneaky good in Class M, um, Jordan Kowalski, who's one of the best football players around for Ledger. Um, if Rios is the best player in the ECC, Kowalski might be the second best. He's playing at every point next year. And also, um, on the uh, you know, a team that might be pretty good in, in Class L this year. Is uh, New London, who okay. people might not be me thinking of, but they're you know they're only ten and ten, but they lost a lot of close games early. They've won five in a row. They have a legitimate ace in Eddie Santiago. They won a state title a few years ago, and they you know they don't have to play in the ECC tournament, which can be a hindrance when you start running out of uh, out of pitchers there if you're playing three games in three days. So. Right. Well, very good, and uh, certainly look forward to uh, to seeing a lot of these folks in action as uh, as we move into the uh, the CIC tournaments in the uh, in the coming weeks. And we will uh, look for all of your coverage of the uh, the tournaments and uh, the ECC tournaments, and then these teams as they move forward on the uh, at the Norwich Bulletin and the Norwich Bulletin online. So, uh, Owen, we uh, we thank you for uh, your having your inaugural appearance with us on the CIC cast, and hope we will uh, check in with you again real soon. Yeah, sure, it was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks.
Love having the opportunity to bring some new folks on the CIAC cast as guests and get some different perspectives. So we definitely uh, thank Owen Poole for joining us this week, talking a little Eastern Connecticut uh, baseball and softball. Definitely enjoyed that as well. But now we dive into our deep reservoir of recurring guests, uh, fan folks from around the state that uh, people might be familiar with. We're going to start things off with Tim Gaffney from LitchfieldCountySports.com to talk what's going on up in his neck of the woods. We are joined now by one of our, uh, our regular guests we'd like to have here on the CIAC cast, bringing us perspective from a, uh, a portion of the state we don't always hit on uh, quite so much, and that is Tim Gaffney from LitchfieldCountySports.com. Tim, thanks for being with us again. Hey, thanks for having me. How you doing? We're doing very well. Excited, a uh, busy time of year here. We're recording this on uh, on Wednesday, and the uh, the tournament brackets for the uh, the majority of the spring sports will be coming out at the end of the week. And I know you've got a lot of teams uh, in your area that uh, you're keeping a close eye on, particularly in the uh, the baseball and softball ranks. So we'll start there and talk about. Uh, you know, I think fans, devoted fans of the CIAC cast, and, and hopefully there are many, may remember that uh, around this time last year we checked in with you and you were singing the praises of the, the Torrington softball team, which had had a, a, a tremendous regular season and then didn't quite uh, get to where they were hoping in once they reached tournament play. So I, I think we're looking at the standings. They're, they're right back uh, in, in having a dominant regular season. And uh, just wanted to kind of ask you what the what's the temperature like on that softball team this year as uh, as we wind down the regular season? Well, the uh, it's been another uh, undefeated regular season, 19 and 0. So that's 39 and 0 regular season uh, wins. And I'll just say it straight: it's a very weak Naugatuck Valley League when it mm-hmm. comes to uh, you know to the competition level. Um, they'll have a battle with Seymour right now. They're in the middle of their uh, tournament tonight is the semifinals of the NBL tournament. They're uh, facing Naugatuck. All of us expect them to face Seymour tomorrow uh, in the finals. They beat Seymour six to one on the first uh, first meeting of the regular season early in the season. But Seymour is a traditional powerhouse, so we expect them to kind of give them a good battle tomorrow. But to me, the Torrington softball season, I kind of compared it to the NBA. You don't pay attention until the fourth quarter and about the last three minutes of the fourth <laughs> quarter because you can roll through the regular season, have the best record and the rest of it, but it's about it's about the state tournament. Last year they uh, unseated Seymour as the NBL champs, but then they get knocked out in the first round to Bunnell mm-hmm. um, at home, a, a number 16 seed in the opening round. I kind of think they got to win three games this year, maybe get into uh, perhaps a quarterfinal or a semifinal game. The, the same stud pitcher is back, Sidney Masco, who was taking uh, taking her skills down to the University of North Carolina in September, busted over the thousand strikeout mark earlier wow. this spring. She's about a thousand fifty, thousand sixty. She tells me about her six pitches, Joel. Good mm-hmm. luck with that. I just can't hit the really fast ones. So it doesn't <laughs> make a difference what the other five are, and it doesn't seem to matter to her opponents. Difference with Torrington this year, and we'll see once they get in against. You know, you look at L. You got Fitch at, at 20 and 0. You got Mastic at 18 and 2. You got Pomperog at 17 and 3. Laurelton Hall, Sheehan. Tough divisions. They've all kind of beat up on each other in that uh, division. And you're gonna see top-notch pitching. Yep. Uh, Torrington's offense has been much improved uh, this year. They've got a, a junior named Brittany Anderson in the center of field who 
plays like a guy is one of the best compliments she gets from some of the other coaches. She's just a run-through-the-wall leadoff hitter who can hit with power, who can run, has incredible instincts on the bases as far as what to do. They've got a great junior catcher in uh, Marissa Morris, um, some good bats in Sam Pello and, and Sarah Heath, and that was Torrington's bugaboo last year was – you know once the state comes, it's not going to be 16 to nothing anymore. Right. It's going to be 2 to 1. It's going to be 3 to 2. So you're going to have to do the small things. You're going to have to uh, beat out the bunt. You're going to have to field the bunt because what do you do against a pitcher like Matsko? You bunt. You know, make something happen. Put the ball in play. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see what, uh, what happens. They don't have to end up facing Oxford because Oxford, you know, is a uh, – one of the top teams that will come into the NBL next year. Right. But this year they've moved up to M. There's a pitcher, you know, Ashley Gillette, who's over 200 strikeouts this year also. Torrington ran into a bit of a problem this year with no out-of-conference games. From what I understand from Athletic Director Mike McKenna, nobody wanted it. Yeah. Because you don't want that L that you might get from Matsko to go on your regular season record. They did scrimmage Southington, I believe, very early in the season. Uh, but that's really what Torrington needs. Torrington needs to play better competition. So we'll see yeah. how ready they are, you know, once it comes to uh, comes to Monday. Yeah, it will be an interesting, and as you said, that uh, the, the tournament fields, once you get, uh, particularly if you do advance past the, you know, opening round or two, the you're, you're facing some, some quality competition all the way across the board. Uh, staying with softball, uh, I know there's a, a few other teams that have put together some very strong regular seasons. One of them, uh, Northwestern, has been a, a strong, strong squad yet again. And the, and one of their rivals up there has been the uh, the Thomaston team that uh, that folks might be familiar with because a lot of the same players on the, the Thomaston softball team are the ones from the state championship winning uh, girls basketball team from the winter. So tell us a little bit about maybe Thomaston and, uh, and Northwestern and, and how they've been uh, measuring up against each other so far this season. Northwestern sits on top in the Berkshire League at 18 and one, and Thomaston is right behind them at 16 and two, with their only two losses being to Northwestern, including right. a, a thrilling nine-inning game uh, that I was up at, uh, you know, last week a 5-4 nine-inning decision up at uh, Northwestern. Uh, you are correct. You got Morgan Sanson, Abby Hurlbert, she of the famous "Can you hit three free throws with .06 seconds left to keep the game going?" Yes, she can. Um, and your sister, Gabby Hurlbert, and a couple other kids, uh, you know, are on this team. But, you know, Northwestern just clinched uh, outright uh, yesterday. Uh, Liz Newkirk, a senior, absolute tremendous number three hitter. Uh, Hannah Yabrowski, a catcher, she actually had the game-winning double against uh, Thomaston the last time that they, that they met. You can never discount Lewis Mills. Lewis Mills is 13-6, and six. Uh, Nanawa mm-hmm. 11 and 11-7. Chipag eleven and eight, so there's a good representation in the states. And um, if you got if you got a good arm and you know you can get on a little bit of a run, you never know what happens this time of the year. But good to see those two rivals, uh, you know, going back at it each other. So moving on to a, a different bat and ball sport, uh, we covered a little bit of the softball, and uh, as always, some some very good baseball teams in your area as well. Who are a few of the uh, the baseball squads that uh, have been solid during the regular season that maybe fans could keep an eye on as we head into the uh, the CIAC tournament play? You know, as uh, the last couple of years, the Torrington baseball team has kind of had a, a down stretch. Nine and eleven last year, didn't make the tournament the year before. Um, started off this year 0-3, their first game against St. Paul. They lost 28-14. to mm-hmm. I asked head coach Pat Richardson why he didn't go for two, because at that <laughs> point you probably didn't have anything to lose. Um, turned it around, 
won 15 out of their last 17 to finish the year a very respectable 15 and 5. They are number six in L right now. A very scrappy team. A lot of the same kids that we saw uh, on the soccer team that made mm-hmm. a pretty deep run. Shane Bierfeld, um, Nate Manchester, Johnny McCarthy, just some kids that have played three different sports together for an awful long time. Right. Um, yesterday they were playing in the opening round of the Naugatuck Valley League tournament against Derby, down four nothing before you could blink in the first uh, in the first inning. Come back, tie the game up, end up winning seven to six as a uh, McCarthy, who aptly told his coach Pat Richardson when uh, his teammate Manny Rios was on first base, he says, "Send him." because I'm going to hit him in. I love when those <laughs> predictions come true, because he throws a double into the gap, and uh, Rios, who is a, a speedster, comes around and scores in the bottom of the sixth. Bierfeld comes in for the uh, the, the four outs, uh, getting his teammate, Nate Manchester, off the hook to kind of come up with the win. Man, uh, Bierfeld actually starts today in game two, where Torrington plays Holy Cross in the semifinals. They've lost to Holy Cross twice so far in their regular season, so a nice revenge game. But being number six in L, you know, they'll get a home game. Yep. I'm not sure if they're going to get a, a buy or not. you got 32 teams right now. It seems qualifying. We'll see how that shakes out on Friday. But nice to see good baseball and softball continuing in Torrington, and nice to see the, the Torrington boys being back in, you know, to the mix. They've got a young man, Mitch Zagralnik, a senior who just absolutely hit a bomb into the Naugatuck River yesterday. So just a team that even though sometimes it doesn't look pretty, um, figure out a way to get it done. They were just coming off prom weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and I think the coach said it appeared as if they were all still in Rhode Island in the first <laughs> inning. Um, but they kind of they went down four nothing, but then the bats just brought them back, which has happened, uh, you know, a lot to them. Pat Richardson took over for you know Jerry Carbone, uh, legendary coach in Torrington, uh, you know, a few years back, and it's nice to see uh, Torrington kind of turning around again with Coach Carbone still kind of hanging around on the sidelines, but he doesn't have to do the bulk of the the work anymore, but we expect to see Torrington make a little bit of noise um, in the state tournament, and, uh, you know, we'll take it from there. Yeah, that'll be nice if uh, they can kind of continue that turnaround, and always uh, always nice to see teams that are able to, uh, to sort of bounce back from uh, from their struggles. Any other uh, any other baseball teams uh, to keep an eye on as, as the postseason uh, approaches quickly coming at us? The, uh, the small school that never says we're going to lose, Thomaston High School, 325 students in the in the uh, school. Our good friend Rick Wilson, my main uh, writer for Litchfield County Sports, we think every single kid in Thomaston plays sports. There's like four <laughs> who don't because uh, Thomaston boys are 16 and three. At one point, uh, Coach Bobby McMahon, who also coached the girls' championship basketball team, hadn't lost a game since, like, January. He finally lost, like, May 12th to Lewis Mills. So the, the winning had continued with the Thomaston, uh, you know, Thomaston boys. And they, they really did have that attitude when you talk to them. It's like, well, we're feeding off what the girls did. It's a small mm-hmm. school. Folks don't normally think that a, a small F school is going to run through and end up with a state championship. So they are ranked third in uh, in S right now at 16 and 3 they got Cromwell and East Hampton and I wouldn't I wouldn't put anything by them. They've got a couple of good uh, good arms. They've got uh, two brothers, the teens, Matt and Jake who are, you know, absolute beasts at the plate. Uh, Blake Russo is is one of the better arms that they have on the mound. So I would expect, you know, them to make a little bit of noise come state tournament time. I mean, you can't count out Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern um, you know, the record might not look great, but last year they made that, that great deep run. Uh, so I would expect that come tournament time, you know, they probably will have their A game going also. 
Very good. Um, and then moving away from the uh, the baseball and softball diamonds for a second, uh, and staying in Class S, however, you've got the uh, the Lewis Mills boys lacrosse team, uh, which just capped a, an unbeaten regular season, is actually the only unbeaten team currently in Class S. Um, you know, they've got to obviously maybe don't face the, the biggest uh, challenges in the regular season, but that's another team, uh, Tim, that maybe uh, is looking to, to show what it can do in the postseason. What do we uh, what do we know about the Lewis Mills boys lacrosse squad? You know, for a team that's only been in there in existence for four years to come across an, an unbeaten season in, in year four with the the seniors that started this whole program back when they were freshmen is, is an accomplishment regardless. I mean, lacrosse is one of those sports that even around here is really starting to you're really starting to pick off. You mm-hmm. pick up, you're really starting to get a lot more uh, interest in it. Um, just a, a great job by. Um, you know, by their head coach Pat Schmidt to put the the program together and to, to keep it going. They had a 12 to 10 win over Notre Dame Fairfield, who was eight and eight, but I bet you those eight losses were against some pretty severe competition. A good test for the states because we often see teams with 500 records give those teams with one or two in weaker divisions, you know, a lot of trouble. So yep. it's nice to see. You know, Lewis Mills is again one of those schools that just figures out how to win no matter what the sport is, whether it's in track, baseball, softball, basketball. Um, just a very good uh, sports school. So I would expect them to, you know, uh, have been a little bit battle tested here, especially with this Notre Dame or Fairfield. Uh, win coming in there, and you know we'll we'll see how far they can make a, a run also. But nice to see, um, you know, another sport making a run up here in the northwest corner where it really hasn't been that big in the past. But nice to see it kind of peaking its head up now. Yeah, no, and uh, and uh, something that that I might write about for our website, but uh, I wrote about in the fall. You know, it's it, sometimes we get so caught up with the the CIAC tournament stuff, and we're guilty of that obviously a little bit because that's when we uh, we really get involved. But uh, you know, even if the tournament success doesn't necessarily come it certainly doesn't invalidate a uh, a very good regular season and that's what uh what lewis mills uh boys lacrosse was able to put together so tim we uh we always appreciate you uh checking in with us and uh and giving us the lowdown on what's happening up in uh in litchfield county again the, the website is litchfieldcountysports.com you've got a great uh stable of writers there who are who are churning out all kinds of good stuff and as the uh the uh, the conference tournaments wrap up in the next couple of days. There will be plenty of uh, of content from uh, from writers who are bundled up out in the uh, the sudden colds covering those games. So uh, we thanks very much for uh, for being with us and offering your thoughts. Thank you very much, Joe. Good to talk to you. Thanks to Tim Gaffney of LitchfieldCountySports.com as always for being with us. Love getting his perspective as well. Now we uh, we move along. Now we don't have a cleanup hitter this week because we only have three guests. But uh, batting in into bringing up the the big guns to close things out here. We go back to one of our old favorites, Dave Rudin of the Rudin Report, to find out what's going on with all things FCAC. We have on the phone with us now Dave Rudin of the RudinReport.com, one of our regular guests here on the CIAC cast. Always happy to get his perspective from the uh, the Fairfield County High School sports scene. So, Dave, thanks as always for joining us. Joe, thanks a lot. Always a pleasure to be on here with you. We're, we are happy to chat with you, and it's, as always, has been an eventful uh, eventful spring season down in the uh, in Fairfield County in the FCAC. I uh, wanted to start off, though, with a story you did recently. Always love uh, kind of shining a brighter light on some of the, the great features that we see 
um, on on the various websites around the uh, the state, and you did one recently. We we featured it in our our most recent linked up, which was posted last Friday. But uh, wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about a pretty remarkable uh, student athlete from Greenwich, uh, Nicole Graham, and kind of talk a little bit about the the story you wrote on her, and and, and let people know what that young lady's all about. Yeah, thanks a lot, and thanks for uh, linking it up for me. I appreciate it. Uh, Nicole's probably uh, as inspiring a high school athlete as I've encountered. Uh, about uh, a year and a half ago, uh, through some symptoms she had, she found out she had leukemia. Uh, the prognosis she had to go through, go through a lot of treatment, and that included at one point having to put be put into a medically induced coma. And during that time, two weeks, she actually suffered a couple of strokes. Uh. Her parents were told on two or three occasions they didn't think she was going to make it and certainly not going to get back to playing sports. That that was uh, the last concern at that point. Mm-hmm. And just through an, a remarkable recovery process, uh, having good doctors, having a lot of support, and I think the power of positive thinking on her behalf, she made it back out on the field today, and she's a three-sport athlete. Uh, why she's Well, she's not at the high, high, high level she was at before. Uh, she's merely at a high level right now, but uh, she's, really, she's really inspiring. She really, uh, really thinks that this was given, you know, that, that this happened to her for a reason and that she's strong enough to handle it and can kind of spread the message of a positive outlook and how prognoses that may not be positive uh, doesn't necessarily mean that uh, diseases can't be beaten. Yeah, just an unbelievable, uh, you know, it, it puts just about anything you can, uh, any sort of hardship that folks are going through into perspective to, to see the outlook and uh, the the attitude of that young lady. So uh, we certainly uh, appreciate you uh, for giving her story a wider, uh, wider, uh, wider telling and uh, hope folks will check out the RudenReport.com to uh, to see her. And she's on the uh, the girls lacrosse team. And as we uh, as we are interviewing here, the, the lacrosse brackets just released and Greenwich will be facing uh, Hall in the uh the opening round on uh, uh let's see on on Tuesday uh in the opening round of the girls lacrosse class L championship so we'll see if uh Nicole can keep writing a, a pretty remarkable story as as we go forward so uh just a, a great great story that we hope folks uh will check out and uh now kind of back to the the action on the field so to speak um you know I know with your your site you're getting you're trying to cover all of the uh the Fairfield County sports as best you can but uh, kind of taking a big, broad, you know, wide-angle picture uh, of the spring sports season, Dave, what, what has kind of jumped out to you as maybe the big takeaway or the big story uh, from the FCAC in the spring this spring? Well, I think far and away the number one sports story in the spring in the FCAC has been the boys' lacrosse. Uh, with Darian, McCainan, Greenwich, and Ridgefield, I've been a sports writer for 30 years, and I cannot remember a time in one sport in the same season where you had four teams playing at such a high level as these four schools are right mm-hmm. now. Newtonian uh, was the two-time defending FCAC champion, and they've almost been treated as a little bit of an afterthought compared to the other three schools in my mind. And uh, this is a team that they just lost to Darien in the FCAC semifinals the other day, uh, twice losing to Darien by one goal in overtime. And 
that's not a team that should be looked at as, as an oversight. And, and any other year, I think they, they would be the dominant team in the state. And you just have four teams that, that are just playing at an incredibly high level. Darien is unbeaten right now. And besides beating those other three teams and McCain in a second time, they play just a very, very difficult non-league schedule with teams in New York, uh, Long Island. And uh, for them to be undefeated right now is, is just is as incredible an accomplishment as I can think of any team having. And their reward for all this is now that they, they have to play Greenwich again in the in the FCAC final, right. and then they got to go on to the state playoffs and just was looking at the draws you released, and they could be looking in the championship game against New Canaan again, and Gary and New Canaan uh, is as good a state rivalry as there is in any sport, and if these two teams should meet for a third time, coming off two overtime games, uh, I think it will be something that will be very, very exciting to everybody but the other teams in the <laughs> Other teams in the field that uh, I think would like to be there as well. Yeah, absolutely. It will certainly be a, a competitive uh, Class uh, M championship, as you mentioned, with Darianne as the one seed and New Canaan at, as the three. And uh, would be a, certainly be an interesting, uh, you know, bookmark on the uh, or, or sort of, you know, uh, well, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for, but to, uh, you know, to kind of bounce back the uh, after the fall where Darianne and New Canaan met in the football championship, if they could wrap up the season uh, competing in the boys lacrosse championship against each other, that would certainly be uh, quite a uh, quite a story for those two rivals as well. And uh, actually, they actually met in the FCF hockey championship as well. So it's been a, it's been a good year for, for Darianne and New uh, rivalry. Absolutely. Uh, you know, watching your, your coverage uh, throughout the spring, the, the thing that seems to uh, another kind of big story that I've noticed at least you talking about is it seems like, you know, and, and you mentioned those four teams in, uh, in boys lacrosse that have been so strong. Um, it seemed as though, particularly in, in baby, the baseball and softball, that the parity uh, has been a bit of a story. I know you were talking the, the wild race just to even qualify for the FCAC baseball championships. Um, was that something that uh, that stood out to you this spring as well? Sort of the depth from you know from top to bottom in some of those other sports. Yeah, actually, I mean that's something that uh, was sort of foreshadowed early in the year and, and was sort of expected. Uh, I didn't think that it would get to the point that last Friday, uh, with the final games of the regular season, that it literally took me three to four hours to figure out all the possibilities. I, I don't remember any time where the final game of the season and you only had five of eight uh, league playoff teams determined. So, right. And as we're seeing, and we see this every year in the FCAC, at least with lower seeds doing well, uh, the championship game on Saturday is going to be between the fifth seed Trumbull and the sixth seed Fairfield Ward. And I, I don't consider that a surprise at all. They're, they're both very good teams. Uh, all the top teams this year have a good number one pitcher. Many of them have good number two pitchers as well. And, and, and they're just really balanced. I think the one word that a couple of people have used to me uh, to, in the tournament has been upset, a lower seed winning an upset. And I think upset should just be totally expunged <laughs> from the FCAC baseball uh, category this year. It, it, it's made it a lot of fun uh 
I've been fortunate to see just about all all of the top teams, and, and there's not much separating them. I, I think you could have a round robin with them, and the winning team would be, uh, you know, just slightly over 500 if it's that close. So it's it's made it a lot of fun, and it'll be interesting to see after beating up on each other how they're going to fare in state tournament play. Yeah, no, that uh, you just wonder if the you know they'll be kind of uh reeling from that or whether it will make them uh, you know feeling a little stronger to uh to step up to the the CIAC uh tournament competition. Uh just a few, you know, let you kind of bounce around whatever sports you want to hit, but what are maybe just a handful of teams that really have impressed you uh this spring uh in one way or another that you've uh you've been able to cover that really kind of stand out for you? Uh Darian Girls Lacrosse again, uh very very strong. They are going to be the favorite playing Wilton in the FCAC championship game tomorrow and, and a heavy, heavy favorite in the state tournament as well. And they have three midfielders right now, Dylan Chain, Emily Stein, and Hollis Perticone, who uh, probably rank with a, as good a uh, line of midfielders as, as any team has had. And all of them are going to play at a very high level in college. So they've been one interesting story. Uh, FCAC softball, you had some really good young teams, but the championship game tonight is going to be an intriguing matchup because you have St. Joseph, which is generally considered the best team in the top seed, and the second seed is Darian, and they have the best pitcher, Erica Asherau, and she handed St. Joseph it, its only loss so far this year uh, in a one nothing pitcher's duel during the year. Mm-hmm. And she just, she's as good with her bat as she is with uh, – with pitching, uh, she got the team to the finals with a, a walk-off three-run homer against West Hill the other day, so or yesterday. So, uh, you know, softball has been good. Uh, the level of, of golf and tennis and those sports don't get publicized a lot, but those sports uh, have been played at a very high level. It's just been a very, very good spring. Uh, boys volleyball, you have a Ridgefield team. That's really come on, and uh, they're going to be playing staples for the championships. Uh, it's really been a great year for for FCX sports this spring. Just uh, it just seems to be played at a at a very very high level in every single sport, and uh, it's both great and uh, a little difficult for somebody trying to run a one person site and trying to get to everything. But I'm never at a loss for good stories, and and that's always the best thing as a writer. Yeah, no, it looked like, as you said, you know, the high level and, uh, and, you know, a high level of multiple teams. It seemed like every time I was looking on your site, there's, you know, somebody winning in a walk-off, somebody winning, uh, you know, in a, in a one nothing game or, or a one run game or, or whatever it may be. So very highly, uh, competitive. Um, looking at the season, any, um, any teams that sort of, and I think I asked you this last year, I seem like we, uh, we checked in with you prior to the, uh, the spring championships last year as well. Um, you know, any sort of maybe slightly under the radar teams that, that you think, uh, you know, maybe haven't, uh, you know, won't be competing for the, the FCAC championships or, but, uh, but really could be in the mix for a, for a tournament run if things break their way. Uh, one team, and they got to the finals last year, so I don't know if it could be considered a surprise, but given the strength of the FCAC this year, I'd keep an eye on the Staples boys across mm-hmm. the team. They could have a strong run. They could get back to the final. They only lost uh, by a goal to New Canaan in the FCAC quarterfinals. Uh, one school that, and it'll be interesting to see how they do, but 
Fairfield Ward has really, really picked up their lacrosse program, both hmm. boys and girls. Uh, the boys team has pretty much, uh, other than losing to, to the big four, has had a really good season. So it'll kind of be interesting if their, their draw plays out and they get to play some teams, uh, that they haven't before. Maybe they can make a little bit of a run. Uh, in softball, I think you could, the Stanford and West Hill, both very, very young, both got to the FCX semifinals and, and both almost beat, uh, heavily favored team, so I think they're capable of making some some noise in the state tournaments. I wouldn't want to play or draw either of them. And they, you know, baseball is going to be is going to be interesting. I mean, baseball is the hardest sport in that uh, it's just not feasible to play best of three series, which would really be in a sport like that the fairest way sure. to, to settle a champion. So. You know, single elimination, the best team doesn't always win. And if you run into a team that may not be as strong as your team but has a good number one pitcher and shuts you down, uh, that, that can send you home early. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how FCX baseball teams fare in the state tournament as well. And I I don't even know if there's anybody – if you want to look at a sleeper, maybe a team like Ridgefield that went to the last day of the – of the FCX season, very last game of the season and lost and that cost them a spot in the tournament. So they're one of the eight, you know, not eight teams in, in the, from the playoffs and you know, that may be capable of, of making a, a run as well. So, uh, you know, that, that's the other good thing about the FCX. It's always a strong league and you always seem to find some, some middle of the road teams that uh, once they get to play teams, outside of the league, uh, they tend to do very well. Yeah, definitely. That would certainly speak to that uh, that depth you mentioned in baseball. So we'll give you uh, one final question here. And just you talked about, you know, your uh, your challenge of getting out on the road and seeing all these different uh, teams and stories and, and so forth. But uh, how about you give me maybe one or two, <clears throat> excuse me, one or two of your uh, of your of the best games you saw this season, even in uh, whether FCAC playoffs or regular season, but uh, one or two games that are going to stand out to you as the uh, the, the you know the, the the examples of the highly competitive 2014 season. Boy, that's tough. I always forget things. Uh, I mean, one, one, you know, maybe one of the best stories is Bridgeport Central's from from behind win against Fairfield Prep. In the in the state basketball championship, uh, mm-hmm. Central had a strong team. I think though everybody uh, was playing up prep, 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 and then prep had the big 18 point halftime lead. And uh, Barry McLeod, the Central coach, really challenged his players, and uh, they went out and made uh, a comeback for the ages that will always be remembered. Sure. So that was one one of the good stories. Uh, the New Canaan football team was a lot of fun to cover. They they kind of rolled their way and they got to beat Darianne in the state championship game. But they had so many – they're one of the best defenses I've seen. They've got – I don't know how many it's up to right now, but 13 or 14 of their players that are going to be playing in college. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think something that gets poo-pooed a little too much is uh, if somebody's not playing at a – at a high division one level, maybe it's looked, it's looked down upon and, and a lot of them are going to play division three football, but, uh, not a lot of people go from high school sports to playing in college period. So 
Uh, I think the season they had and, and the wins they had, and for them to send so many kids to college, uh, that that was a big uh, a big thing. And then, you know, just kind of circling back to where we started, the two Darien, Newtonian lacrosse games this year, the regular season, and especially this FCAC playoff game, which was a little sloppy, but it was just so dramatic. Darien going from a three-goal lead to Newtonian having a three-goal lead in the final period to Darien rallying to send the game into overtime and then winning. So, uh, you know, that's that's been the great thing this year, as you mentioned, uh, not only having good teams, but there have been so many dramatic finishes, and a lot of them have come over the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, pe- people tend to ask sports writers, who are you rooting for? And uh, sports writers don't root for teams. They root for, they root for the good story. Yeah, and uh, I've been I've been very blessed this year in having uh, having more good stories than than any sports writer deserves, maybe. Well, that's uh, we'll certainly prefer that to the uh, to the opposite uh, being the case. And as a former uh, as a former D three person myself, I, I appreciate your comments on the uh, anyone you know getting the chance to compete in college sports is uh, is is a true. Uh, you know, impressive thing, whether it's at division one or at division three level. So I'll, uh, I'll put in my little plug for that as well. Uh, having come from that background myself. So Dave, we, uh, we appreciate you, uh, getting on the phone with us as always. I'm sure you are, uh, on getting on the road shortly to go cover some of the, uh, some of the FCAC championship games. And, uh, we always appreciate you offering your, uh, your expertise and your perspective on what's going on down in your neck of the woods. So thanks for being with us. And I'm sure we'll check up with you, uh, again soon. Thanks a lot for having me, Joel, and thanks again, uh, all of you at the CIA. You do a great job, and uh, you guys have been very supportive in helping to publicize the Rudin Report, and uh, that's greatly appreciated as well. Well, our pleasure. Good luck, uh, good luck keeping track of everybody over the next few weeks. Thanks, Joel. A pleasure, as always, to chat with Dave Rudin of therudinreport.com. Thank him very much for being with us, and thank all of our guests for uh, what turned out to be a very lengthy podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and hope you stayed with us through the whole thing. This time of year, there is just plenty to talk about, so we thank you for being with us. It's always a pleasure to have you folks along with us. As always, you can uh, check out all of the latest happenings at CIACsports.com. Be sure to go to that Tournament Central page. As I said, it's going to be your uh, your best source, your lifeblood at this time of year for keeping track of what's going on with all things CIAC tournaments. And follow us on Twitter, at CIAC Sports. Go to Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. We've got information there. And as I mentioned, that Tournament Central page, you can sign up for email or text alerts. That's the best way to find out if that game you were planning to go to has been postponed. Find out. You can sign up for specific tournaments that you want updates for. That's a great way to keep track of what's happening if you don't think you're going to be able to uh, to check out that CIACsports.com website. So as always, we thank you so much for being with us on the CIAC cast. We will try to be back with you again next week. Not sure if that'll happen. If not, probably two weeks from now and what we may be previewing a busy championship weekend here on the CIAC cast. Once again, I'm Joel Cookson. Thank you so much for being with us. Hope you'll join us once again when we come on back for another edition of the CIAC cast.